Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hello, welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Williams, and today I am joined by the world's greatest underwriters, Cindy Davis and Jane Dwyer, who are here to talk to us about what trends they're seeing in 2023 in terms of underwriting, in terms of the adoption of electronic sources of medicine, of records and documents, as well as some nutrition and um, health trends that will ultimately impact how we help our clients and get them underwritten. So Jane and Cindy, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the pod today. Thank you for having us. So let's just jump right in. Jane, you were telling me about the MIB. They have a new name and a whole new offering. So fill us in, what's going on? The MIB used to be known as a Medical Information Bureau. Now they're called the MIB Group. And um, everybody I know is familiar with the MIB coding system where uh, underwriters will code if there's an impairment that they feel will impact um, underwriting and they code it and almost all of our life insurers in the industry belong to the MIB. Uh, One of the new tools that they have developed is called MIB total line tool. Um, And that total line tool, what that does is that alerts the carriers to all of the life insurance that the client has in force. So it could be something, uh, maybe perhaps they've forgotten about a business case that they had or sold a case or just uh, any other case that they have life insurance for. So it's uh, a tool that we're seeing more and more carriers adopt as well as reinsurers. I've been involved in cases where there was a term insurance policy that was bought for the business many years ago that you know, the business was always owned and paid for and the insured that's forgotten about. Or we were doing a case recently where they were buying charitable insurance and the insurer wanted to make sure that all of the personal needs had been met. In instances like that, is this where the total line tool is helpful? Oh, definitely. If someone just has um, the forgets or or don't think that it's relevant, um, sometimes um, the line of questioning before before you actually apply for life insurance is not not complete in that. So, yes. And it does impact underwriting because you could have somebody, um, you know, on any one life, there's a certain amount that the industry feels that you are um for your life worth. So it does, they take everything into consideration. And, um, you know, if someone applies for charitable and they have enforced coverage on a personal basis for themselves and their family, uh, that that's all weighed in. And so this really is only useful in the giant cases, right? Oh, no, no. Uh, one would think, but um, it's definitely because we all, um, what what are we worth, right? What is our life worth? So definitely it, it helps in the lower end as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cindy, you were saying that it also could have implications in streamlined underwriting. 
Right. Um, carriers are very concerned that people are stacking um, several two million, three million with a seven and a half million um, uh, streamlined policies. And so this tool is going to alert them um, when you're applying at multiple carriers at the same time or, you know, pretty close together. Is this a tool that you guys may have or hope to have access to going forward or just for the carriers? You, you have to be a carrier to have access to the MIB, and um, it's a pretty expensive fee, so, um, you know, kind mm -hmm. of cost prohibitive. So, but it's important for our firms to know that this is a tool that the carriers have access to so that they can remember to ask all of the questions, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would ask probably on several different occasions just to clarify. I think it helps uh, keep everything clear. And um, if things are missed, some sometimes um, there's a little bias built into underwriting and they may, you know, think that's a red flag for someone not being um, open and mm -hmm. fully disclosing. So. Or they don't have a good memory, and that's a different underwriting. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yes, yes. So ask early and often. That's yes, that's right. Recommendation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So let's go back and forth between trends we're seeing in the industry and then human trends that we're seeing. And Cindy, you were at a conference recently, right? Right. The AIM. It's the where the medical uh, directors go to talk about insurance medicine and learn their newest trends. And you heard really, really good news for the coffee addicts of the world. Yes. Apparently, um, coffee and it needs to be um, in particular drip coffee. So not your fancy French presses. It's OK uh, if it's cold brew, but um, they're seeing significant lower mortality, a 30% decrease in diabetes. Um, it helps with Parkinson's disease and in particular liver disease and uh, liver cancer. So um, good news in these days of COVID and uh, the excess uh, alcohol that's being consumed. We're all over that. It's fine. Plus we've got coffee. So it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> All right. And then also speaking of sort of COVID and trends, there's um, an obesity, a less positive trend involving obesity, right? Yes, yes. Um, I heard a new term or for me at least um, called mature onset diabetes of youth. So in the past, um, typically we consider type one diabetes, which is just your pancreas is not working properly, um, the diabetes of young people and adult onset diabetes is typically when you gain excess weight and have other reasons that you can't produce enough insulin. Um, but this is actually basically adult onset diabetes due to overweight in um in young people so you know a 20 year old um now actually uh developing diabetes and um and also seeing um alcoholic liver disease in like 25 year olds and 30 year olds that we typically would take years and years and years um and they're just attributing it to more alcohol the excess weight fatty liver and um you know just not being able to metabolize it and metabolize it and just the isolation that covid caused and um you know allowing those kind of trends to happen Mm -hmm. Jane, so the conference was for underwriters and carriers underwriters. So they're now aware of this trend. 
how do we help our firms as they're writing cases and maybe running into this? How do we help them sort of prepare or underwrite or get the best offer we can? Well, you know, oh, go ahead, Jane. Well, I, I would say that, you know, the cover letter is very, very important. <laughs> So if you know your client, and, and most of the firms do know their client, that I think a cover letter, and in this case, you know, lifestyle, what is the APS not telling us? What doesn't the application ask? So um, I think it's really important to include those lifestyle modifications people are doing, whether it's, um, you know, playing basketball or walking five miles a day or, you um, those types of things. So it's activity, involvement, always important. And, um, you know, if you mentioned that they drink four cups of coffee or three cups of coffee, probably wouldn't hurt. Um, but it usually takes, I think this, when Cindy talked about the obesity and uh, the youth, you know, I think we're seeing almost every industry magazine or um, uh, web webinar that they have. I mean, talk about this obesity, not only in adults, but children. So I, I don't know what that could mean. If it could mean uh, um, our um, build classes change a little bit. Um, that's what we've seen in the past. But um, yeah. I was also thinking, though, about Cindy's the, the thing Cindy was saying about alcoholic liver disease in younger ages. You know, obesity maybe is more visibly diagnosable, but the alcoholic liver diseases. So maybe it's also a trend of you can't look at your client and say, oh, they look fine and they're young, you know, and, and just presume yeah. that you're going to be. Yeah, very good point. I recently underwrote a gentleman, or I don't think it's going to go through, but a younger person. And, you know, all we had was information about his bronchitis. But when we got the uh, labs, it showed that, uh, and we knew he was a chewer, but it was positive for nicotine, and then also positive for an alcohol marker called CDT. So, yeah, it is important to, if you can, and if they do disclose, to find out how much they're drinking. Mm -hmm. Important. So, but back to the sort of disclosure, the electronic health records, we're, you're seeing those more, right, with more data and more adoption? Uh, yes, it's steadily gone up. So in our industry, the carriers will refer to as a hit rate. You know, when you go out there and um, ask for the electronic health records and, um, you know, do you get a ping back? So the, the hit rate's going up somewhat um, and all carriers are going after electronic health records and trying to use them if they can in order to decrease the amount of APSs they have. And Cindy, you were talking about the Milliman claims data. Yes, um, this is a, a new tool that Milliman's offering. Um, Milliman's always been kind of the key pharmacy database, um, prescription database uh, checker. And um, now they've added this additional tool for claims data. So carriers are using, you know, pulling um, a, a list and they can see, uh, did you go in for a COVID test? Did you go in for a mammogram? Did you have a colonoscopy? And they're actually seeing the diagnostic codes. And then they're coming back and asking us, just like when with a pharmacy check, 
you know, who's this doctor or, you know, what are they taking this medicine for? Now we're getting asked about um, the mammogram results that we, you know, previously told them, no, they didn't have that mammogram done. Mm -hmm. So um, it's hard, hard, you know, there's no secrets anymore. (laughs) Which is good and bad, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you guys were telling me about what you were calling red flag medicine. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, kind of an interesting medicine um, that it's called naltrexone. There's some different names. Um, it's it's really created to block the euphoric effects that opioids provide. And so originally it was meant to get people off of opioid addiction. That was a really big uh, trend in previous years. Um But they also found that it worked for just kind of decreasing all kinds of addictions. Um, And now it's being prescribed in smaller doses for all kinds of um, off-label uses, um, a big one being to decrease alcohol cravings. But um, we've seen apps for anxiety, anti-inflammatory, just reduced cravings, uh, again, weight, weight. Yeah. And um, I even saw one for porn addiction. So um, all kinds of off-label uses, but, or, and I don't know that I could call it off-label, but, you know, um, not what carriers originally were thinking when they saw that medication prescribed by the client. Now, some of these other things may be of concern too, but, um, but I think, you know, just being able to understand the reason they're on it and who's prescribing it and how long they're taking it is going to be important going forward. So it's a medicine or a class of medicines that when it shows up in the electronic records or the MIB, whatever, immediately throws up a red flag with the carrier underwriters. And so I know Jane's going to say this, so I'll say it for her. It's important to put it in the cover letter why they're using it, right, Jane? Yes, absolutely. You got it. Yes. (laughs) And and if you want more information about it, we did recently do a talk on January 18th with um, Penn Mutual's medical director um, addressing this because we did think it was a pretty big concern. So. Well, great. And we can even um, in the podcast email link to the talk so that they can get more in depth, because I'm guessing it's not just this one medicine that probably throws up some red flags with the carriers. Right. There are several. Okay, so it's helpful to know, see what's coming and know how to help our clients um, explain why that's on their records. Right. Absolutely. You can't hide or avoid it is what I heard you guys say. (laughs) With good underwriting and a solid cover letter, yes, we can still get to a good result, right? We hope. (laughs) We try. We We try. try. There we go. Very hard. Yes. And are there still programs that the carriers that are offering that are sort of health credits or lifestyle credits can be used to improve an offer? Oh. Absolutely. Penn Mutual uh, recently, I think it was in October of this year, uh, rolled out their program and um, it was very helpful. We had one case in particular that we knew uh, the formal application wasn't going to come until after the crediting program started. So we were able to move that client from a solid standard into a preferred. So uh, the ages are 25 to 75, and if someone is a table B, they can move them to standard. If they're standard, they can move to preferred. And, of course, there's um, not 
every case can move that way, but they're, I feel like they're really trying to get uh, individuals on that and that's been helpful for us and them. Yeah. And I think most carriers have one or some, yes. some version of it. So, um, you know, always important to highlight. Yes. And, and they're obviously going to be adding coffee to the <laughs> list. <laughs> Kristen, you're really focusing on that coffee. I have a lot. I have to, you know, it's a thing. <laughs> well, thank you both for coming on and keeping us up to date on the trends we're seeing and how all the electronic data that we're used to in our normal lives is really coming over into the industry and carriers are adopting it more and more readily. So appreciate both of you, you know, keeping us abreast of what's what all the changes are. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.